This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Jennifer Gotti. I played Bayel on Star Trek Next Generation, and you're listening to Earl Grey on Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Join with me today are the amazing Amy Nelson and the exceptional Richard Marquez. How are you guys doing today? We are doing great. Very excited to be here. And how are you doing, Justin? Doing pretty good. Looking forward to this episode, especially to see what Richard says. Richard, how are you doing? Speak for yourself, Amy. Friggin', I don't like the pain sticks I'm getting right now. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, we are going to continue our favorite character moments, this time from Insurrection. But first, we're going to go through Babel Conference feedback for Earl Grey 254, which is Lost Episodes Part 4, where we talked about the Crystal Skull. So, Amy, do you want to get us started with that? Yes. Tim Hans writes, Congratulations, Earl Grey, on reaching 100 episodes under the command of Amy and Richard. Justin, you're just as much a part of this remarkable podcasting team who gives us dedicated listeners such enjoyment every week. Here's to another 100. Well, thank you, Tim. Uh, we just love getting your feedback and love that you comment all the time. And yeah, 100 episodes, Richard. I don't know. It makes me, makes me feel like I'm older. I know, like right? <laughs> <laughs> it means you're almost two years older than when you started this. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, thank, thanks so much, uh, Tim, for the feedback. So Chris Hill said, I love these last episodes. I would love to see them in, uh, see an animated version of all of them. And of course, LOL, not out loud. So yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know, actually that wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, why not? I mean, just do, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure their voices are predominantly the same and why not? Yeah. yeah. Or even sound alikes. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a, a little sub show of Lower Decks, the upcoming animated series. Right. <laughs> But yeah, that would be cool because these couldn't happen back then, but maybe you can animate them and still use people's voices and see what that would have been like. Great mm-hmm. idea. And, and and animate a giant smile for, for Riker. <laughs> the creepy smile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Greg Malumbi says, it's interesting. The Lost Episode series is like the episode commentary series in terms of feedback. It's hard to really provide good feedback other than to say it was interesting. Hearing Justin Ozer go through it sounded a little convoluted, but still interesting. Seems like a lot of these lost episodes are first season episodes. Considering Pillar had an open door policy on scripts, I wonder if there are any episodes that can take place in the fourth or fifth season. I would have loved another Spock reunification story. 
So thanks for the the comments, Greg. I know we just give you this giant story and it's like, well, did you like it or not? Maybe. Uh, But yeah, I know it's been all first season except for Return to Forever, which would have been second season. But there are a lot more and we'll definitely get into the later seasons and even a couple of movie concepts. So stay tuned for that. There's still quite a bit more. I know a lot of it's first season that's been preserved, but there's definitely more throughout all the seasons and some of the movies too. Yep, we'll get to them. Yeah, we'll get to them. It'll just take a little time since we're doing about one a month. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so this week, as I mentioned before, we will be talking about our favorite character moments from the movie Insurrection. So I don't know about you guys, but I found this interesting because this is a movie that's a little bit lower down on my list, but I still found a lot that I enjoyed and quite a few choices. Richard's claim before it's the movie that doesn't exist, but for the purposes of this episode, it definitely exists, and he has to... Uh, give us some picks. So, Richard, why don't you give us your first pick? I'll put the spotlight on you. First pick, huh? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Well, wait. So, Did you watch it on your big screen? Let's get the overall. <laughs> <clears throat> so, here's the thing. So, I had the Blu-rays and, um, you know, the the TNG Blu-rays that they came out with a couple years back. And it's great and everything. And, you know, that's where I watch them. But here's the thing is. <clears throat> I forgot I smashed it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I opened the case and this thing is empty. So just just let you know, this is the insurrection with Worf on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listeners, he's holding up his DVD case and it is empty. It's empty inside. So did you watch it in Subway? I had to go by memory because <laughs> ah! I, wow. I waited to like the last two hours because I knew it was going to be a two hour movie. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay for it. And I don't know anyone close that has it. So <laughs> oh, we could so have I, had a little watch party, Richard, because I, <laughs> I rented it for streaming. But I mean, in, in, within your case, it's literally the movie that doesn't exist yes. because the case is empty. Because <laughs> I, I think I, I think I mentioned it because I, I remembered um, when we did Trek Madness that I smashed it. And <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, well, <laughs> disappointment, anger, uh, <laughs> hatred, uh, all kinds of words. Anyway, but uh, so, but like, yeah, it, I, I didn't, I, I, I forgot that I did that, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna go watch it or <clears throat> the movie that shall not uh, be named. Um, and well, I can't anyway. <laughs> and I wasn't okay. gonna buy it again. Oh, that so is going so from, funny. From memory, tell us your first pick, and we'll tell you if it actually happened in the movie. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So my first one is Wesley gets shot and then vaporized. Is that in the movie? Yeah, no. No. Oh, this no. is a wishful thinking? Oh, <laughs> dang it. All right. Oh, no. That's a deleted scene in your, in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> of the mirror universe, right? Uh-huh. So, um, okay. So one of the, okay. Or the, I'll, I'll be serious. All right. I'll be serious. Yeah, I hope but, you're not like, stalling and you don't actually have a pig. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have a pick actually okay. <laughs> from what right. I remember uh, of the of the movie. So, one of my favorite moments of that movie is is the beginning part, and you know how, it shows how busy the ship is, and how, and you know obviously there's more to just you know more goes on on the ship than what we actually see on the screen. So, uh, but like I love the the whole the moment where they go into the turbo lift with Riker, Troy, and um, and Crusher. And he's like, do you remember the time when we used to be explorers? I mm-hmm. love that. And that's probably the only one you're going to hear from me. No, <laughs> but like, it's, yeah, I mean, I, it's yeah, true. When Picard says that. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, it's a, in a sense, I mean, you got to deal with the 
paperwork of I'm sure the Federation and you know, that's just one of their duties. So instead of, you know, blowing stuff up and exploring. Well, it, it, it's interesting <laughs> he says that because they're actually on their way to a diplomatic reception with a species that where they've just mm-hmm. made first contact. So that is part of their exploration, isn't it? Right. Right. And then what they have an archaeology um, dig on whatever planet uh, they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, the looks that they get and that they share on the turbo lift is really cool and just sort of reminds you back to the good old days of when the season was on and, you know, the series was on. And Remember I, when we used to be on every week? I know. <laughs> so that's what it feels like. It's like this movie era is kind of limited yeah. in what we can do. It's almost like a little commentary. And I did uh, write down actually in my notes sort of that scene and it's like, man, for... Being such a wise and and capable diplomat, Picard sure does despise these formal functions, you know. And when he gets that head, that little headdress, headdress on his, thing, yeah, and just his face rag or whatever and, it's called, yeah. You know, and he puts it back on. To well, it's just go like a traditional there. like beaded thing over over his head, and uh, I, I like that. He's willing to kind of do this thing that to. Federation eyes looks a little silly, but he's he's gonna do it. Yeah. Well, he kind of has to, otherwise he loses yeah. his ship. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So I, I there like you go. That. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that's 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 a good one. It also makes me think of the reception with those uh, those dress uniforms, the white dress uniforms, which I really love. Yes. Which get introduced in this movie. Yeah, they look great in them. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good pick from your from your memory, Richard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh, also, when you said like how busy they are, I th- found it quite interesting with Worf being on board. And it's like, well, what are you doing here? And then the all you the chatter here? starts going and we never get an explanation, right. you know, because it's just so yeah. busy on the ship. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny because there really isn't a good reason they could come up with. So they're like, what the hell are you doing here? Oh, I was. And then it just kind of, yep. they go on to the next thing. <laughs> I kind of like that. Out. They're just like, we're not even going to come up with a silly reason. Yeah. He's just here. All right. So, well, let me ask first, Amy. So you did rewatch it, right? I did. Good. Okay. <laughs> so what's your first pick? Well, um, after just, so I just want to say before my pick, like watching this movie, I knew that I liked it um, and it was a good movie. But now after watching Generations recently, I do think that Generations is just one slot above Insurrection. Um, I found the movie interesting and fun, and I enjoyed it. But as far as, like, storyline, and and I sort of had a difficult time coming up with some character moments um, for this movie, and and I'm not quite sure exactly why. So... I'm going to, you know, listen to our conversation and then maybe come up with some final thoughts on on why I think that is. But all Trek is good Trek, so it's it's no big deal. But one of the character moments, well, my first pick, and yes, you guys can guess. I know exactly what it'll be, but go ahead. I know, but the interplay between Troy and Riker, just finally we get to see it on screen and so many little moments that I'm going to sneak in here just as one pick. But, you know, with Troy starting to flirt with her hand on his neck and 
And, you know, and then Riker comes in. This really is is the one pick where he comes to her counseling office and I need counseling and lays down <laughs> on her lap. And, you know, he's like, I'm having a hard time sleeping. Well, Dr. Crusher has something for that. Uh, what I need isn't from Dr. Crusher. I mean, just <laughs> the, so cute with finally the flirting. And then we know in Nemesis, you know, they finally do get married. So the beginning of that where their relationship finally, finally, we get to see it on screen and it's reciprocated both of them. And, you know, they was like, well, maybe, you know, we could go back in time and fix mistakes. Do you believe in that? And it's just, it's beautiful to see both of those characters finally come to fruition with their relationship. So I love Insurrection just for that. Just for that. Yeah, I, I think it is It is really good that you see this interplay, you see the flirting. There's also that scene in the bath where, <laughs> where Troy is shaving Riker because she didn't like the beard. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of great moments. You know, one thing I actually thought about after I saw this movie was like, okay, so there are these feelings that are being rekindled between Troy and Riker. But we also know that there are feelings that have been there between Picard and Crusher. Why didn't some of those get rekindled. I mean, the, probably there's not enough space in the movie to cover both, but I know that that people who are very much into like Picard and Crusher being together were really disappointed that you don't really get very much except like a little bit in Attached and a little bit in, in The Naked Time, or sorry, The Naked Now. <laughs> so I, I wondered that a, a little bit, like maybe you could have had something between Picard and Crusher too, but... Well, he was preoccupied with a niche. Yeah, that's true, but she just appeared on the scene. <laughs> but anyway, I know how much you like Anish. Um, but getting back to Troy and Riker, yeah, I think those are those are really great moments. I think it's a good decision that they made to kind of start that off here, and then it makes sense. Like next movie, a couple years later, they're getting married. It makes it makes perfect sense, and they have all this history. And I enjoyed it. This in rewatching it, that was probably one of my favorite parts was just seeing their their interplay together in the movie because they're great together. Yeah, but that wasn't your pick because you knew that I would cover that. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was on my honorable mentions with the very slim chance that it might not be on your list, but I knew it would be. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Troy and Riker in this movie, Richard? Do you think it's forced <laughs> because of the the rings and the effect that the planet is having on everyone or do you think that it's more natural? Um <laughs> Don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> okay, then I'm not going to say Tell anything. us the truth, but don't <laughs> no, hurt Amy's feelings. I can feelings. handle it. <laughs> okay. Um so okay. There is a lot of problems I have with this movie so many and there i mean i could go political with it i could go society with it i could go with even with the story with it that's i have so many problems with this movie uh which is the reason why it's the movie that i that shall not be named um uh, but like you could actually delete this movie and it wouldn't matter anyway they'll probably get married in uh in nemesis anyway mm-hmm. it i mean there's the only thing that ties them together is when janeway t- says baku that's it. Or Sona. I'm sorry. She says Sona in the beginning of Nemesis. That's it. <laughs> so, um, but I honestly think that we all know that they're uh, that they're interested with each other. I mean, we've seen it throughout the, the whole entire season seven. You could probably add this story as a two-parter somewhere in season seven. I mean, really. I mean, 
it, I mean, that's that's how I see this movie as. Um, but like, I, yeah, I do think it's forced. I mean, and it's kind of awkward because so you guys you you guys can't get past your own you know barriers to and it takes a takes a you know energy from a ring to come together. Hmm. hmm. Okay. That's not the Troy and Riker I know from the, uh, uh, from seasons one through seven. Mm-hmm. Well, but they, <laughs> so. they always they always restrain themselves a little bit. There's definitely affection. There's a little bit here and there, but it's never during the seven seasons. I think anything that for the most part becomes more full blown, and it does in this movie. So I I I think it's it's necessary in order for what to what happens in Nemesis to maybe make a little bit more sense. But that's just. That's just my difference in opinion. I think it's it's important mm-hmm. for that. Mm. Yeah, I still think that um, they're star-crossed lover, lovers and that nothing could, you know, break that apart. So they would eventually get married anyway. So, All right. yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, even even Worf's little, uh, little speech at the end telling them, well, you've always had feelings for Troy and she's always reciprocated. Well, of course they do. We've seen it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't need Worf to tell me that. <laughs> That's why he's on the ship to tell them that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably yeah. Besides shooting stuff and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I stopped by here because I had a vision of Kales telling me that I had to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, well, anyway, I I like the pick. I know you have a lot of problems with the movie, Richard, but I think it's it's important. So, let's talk about my first pick. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it, it like it's interesting. I know Richard, you don't like this movie. I know Amy, you struggle to come up with this with moments, but I actually ended up coming up. I had a, a really long list of probably as many moments as I had put together for First Contact, which is my favorite movie. Yeah, and this is not my favorite movie. I mean, it's definitely lower down. I don't know exactly where it would be, but it's lower down on the list. But in in watching it, I I found a lot that I enjoyed. What the big problem that I have with this movie is actually the admiral or badmiral and how he's just a weird character that that i can't get into um and and a lot of the stuff with with the sona but i think there is a lot of great character stuff and one of the things that i love a lot about this movie is the part that they introduce where the baku and i guess anisha in particular can kind of slow down time or they like to look at the moment that's taking place because i think you know, in, in our lives, we're very busy with things. There's a fast pace and, you know, you, you have this pressure to like react to things really quickly and, and all of this stuff. And I'm often yearning for like slowing that down or really enjoying the moment. I found I've been kind of at my happiest in different parts of my life when I can kind of really enjoy the moment. And I think that's part of what we do in the podcast too. Like we're enjoying the moment of being here talking to each other about this thing. And I'm not thinking as much about what happened before or what happened after. But I wanted to highlight one particular exchange uh, that happens between Anish and, and, and Picard. So Anish says, more questions, because they've been talking for a little bit. So more questions, always the explorer. If you stay long enough, that'll change. Picard says, will it? And Anish says, you stop reviewing what happened yesterday. Stop planning for tomorrow. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced a perfect moment in time? A perfect moment? When time seemed to stop and you could almost live in that moment. And Picard says, seeing my home planet from space for the first time. Anish says, exactly. 
nothing more complicated than perception. You explore the universe. You've discovered that a single moment in time can be a universe in itself, full of powerful forces. Most people aren't aware enough of the now to even notice. And there's an image in there that I really like, that a single moment in time can be a universe in itself. Uh, I, I just really like the, the idea that there is this moment that you can really appreciate all of the facets of it, everything that's that's going on, and it can be just the, it, its own universe to to enjoy. So that for me, that's one of the things that connects for me the most about insurrection is this idea of enjoying the moment and the moment being like a universe in itself. So that's my first pick. Well, that was my second pick. So oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I definitely love that moment. And it's almost a paradox because you're supposed to be in the moment yet noticing everything around you. So it's like, it's sort of at odds with each other because you want to take in everything. And so it's like, you're going to look everywhere, but then you're going to miss the moment because you're trying to take it all in. Anyways, my mind goes around and around like that, but I love I love that because I think about there, yeah, just like when Picard came up with his, there's like two really crystal clear moments, you know, in my life that it's like, it almost felt like time was standing still because I was so extremely happy. And yeah. it seems like, and thankfully that's not anything bad or sad, you know, that I would feel that, but like those moments I can go back in my mind and revisit and feel that happiness that I had because I was just so right there, just feeling it. And that can come back to my memory and almost, I can just feel like I'm back there at that moment. And that's what slowing down time sort of means to me. And I, I love that. Yeah. So Richard, I'm sure this moment in time is seeming to stretch into eternity because we have to keep talking about insurrection, but any any thoughts on on my choice? I was just actually thinking about that. Uh right when you said he was like, you know, this is this is turning into a very long and excruciating moment. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh man, time is slowing down for sure right now. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. That's, it's a, it's a really powerful, um, thought and idea. And I think that's probably the only one, um, in this movie. Um, but like, um, yeah. Have you yeah, had that's a all time, I'm gonna say. have you had a time, Richard, <laughs> in your life where you felt like you were just fully there, fully present and enjoying it? My official answer is the day that I uh, got married to my wife, and um, yeah, <laughs> no. that that but was yes. there was some it moments is. It, it was, there because I was there at your wedding. Thankfully, you yes, you were, yes, and you were. It, it, it was so <laughs> lovely. So I could I could see you definitely saying. Well, that. I, I see it as like different phases, chapters. I guess you could say there are definitely different chapters of my life that I you know hold the same kind of. Um, level just like just like when I when I got married too. It's mm -hmm. the same. It's the same thing. I mean, there are other mm -hmm. there are other moments. Yes, I agree. There are moments where yes, in your life it, you have clarity. I mean, it's like it's just like the day I went to friggin' um, Iraq. 
mm-hmm. mean, that was a reality check right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and same thing goes with when I joined the military and for, had my first kid. I mean, there's several, there's several moments, obviously. Yeah. But like my first kid, that makes me sound like I have multiple kids when I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> Still the first, even if it's only one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My only kid. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, my only kid right now. <laughs> but like, um, yeah. I mean, there. I. It's. It's. It's for sure. I mean, a powerful moment. Yeah. You remember things that. Yeah. Not everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, just like my marriage. You know, it's. It was a very magical time. Um. Everyone was hot, and I was not. So. Yeah. <laughs> temperature wise. What's that? Yeah, yeah, temperature wise. Temperature wise, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, we were also in direct sunlight too. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, per, I mean, everyone was telling me that they were so hot uh, during the ceremony. And I'm like, you know, honestly, it went by way too fast. <laughs> so, in a sense, I guess time didn't slow down, but time went by really, really, really fast. Yeah, that's like the um, paradox mm. of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Most definitely. Yep. Okay. So, so I found it's a great something choice. you'd like about insurrection. I, like I said, that's the only one. <laughs> well, we'll 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 see. Maybe I'll find a few more. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so Richard, your second pick. Uh, when Ad- Ad- Admiral Dougherty dies. <laughs> no, you're picking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, don't, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love that moment when he because because that Admiral actually pissed me off uh, throughout the whole entire movie. I, I, I mean, obviously because he's you know. He's the protagonist, mm-hmm. so you know when he died. Actually, I, I was like, sweet. <laughs> so. I was very much annoyed by his his character because he seemed. I know we've had bad morals and things, but he had like no pretense about it at all. It was just like, well, mm. but when I before okay, so before this movie, we we thought bad morals was like um, Nechev. You know, she's no, always, no, you know, I don't, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like Nechev, who's always against the interests of uh, of of the Enterprise and also Picard and everything and whatnot. And I'm not talking about like Bad Merle as in like she's evil. I'm talking about she's the thorn in his side. Or the bureaucrat. The the bureaucrat, exactly. Something like that. that. Whereas this, where Diary takes it to another level of actual evil, everything against we, that we have been shown um, up to this point in Star Trek and this is the very, I mean, from what I remember, this is the very first time we actually see someone really against the ideals. And is, I think that's not true because when when you see uh, Admiral Ross in, in uh, DS9 allying himself with Section 31, that's no, kind of a moment because where it's that's like, necessary evils. I actually agree with Ross on that one. No, um, but I mean, but it, but but we're told at that point that Section Thirty One is very much against really the ideals of the Federation, even though they say they're trying to protect it. So no, that's anyway. actually uh, that's actually something I actually agree with because there are necessary evils for good forces to no, no, actually try over evil. I'm not I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about within the universe how the Starfleet characters see it. They see no. it as something that's very much. Well, at least Bashir does. And Cisco no, because does. You, in order in order for in order for Utopia to actually exist, you have to do something bad in order to get it to that point. And when sometimes you have to break through that. Well, anyway, that's that, that that's probably a separate conversation. But I think that you're right that Dougherty does take things to another level where he's do, willing to do almost anything. In so order I'm going to gonna finish that, that section 31. That 31 it was was a, is a necessary evil for even a Utopia. So, but yeah, Dougherty. Yeah, it definitely brings it up to another level where, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I, I mean, it, thank God he, I mean, 
obviously, uh, you know, it would be better to have him, you know, turn around, you know, like we always see, you know, the the protagonist sees the good and really it was really too late anyway. Yeah, he, do, he does a little bit, but it's at the very really. end, like, hold on, let's not do this. Okay, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, he gets, <laughs> I mean, once you're in, you might as well just go the whole, you know, <laughs> the whole way. I mean, because like, the guy obviously just doesn't. Uh, his heart's not in the right place. I mean, it, it is. It, it it is in theory, but it's not. Right. That's what <laughs> I wanted to point out because I found it interesting. I I don't know that I picked it up before, but like his justification, which I think just looks good on paper, because like you say, his heart is not in the right spot. But he's like this, you know collecting all the energy and stuff, this is going to, you know, save millions. And so let's just displace these 600 people. And it just sort of made me think about other uh, episodes that we've seen where, you know, some cultures have had to be displaced. Like in Journey's End, right? Yeah, Journey's End, I was thinking of. Um, But I was like, well, yeah, he's using the reason of needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few because he's going to use this for, you know, the entire population of, you know, federation or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, what is 600 people? And I, I found that interesting, but yeah, his heart is not in the right place. I think he's just using that to try and justify his evilness. Well, I mean, actually really, I think his, his justification, his motivation, I mean, uh, to, to the outside, his justification is, look what we could do with all of these these particles to help people. But really, he's trying to appease the Sona so they stay in the fight against the Dominion. That's really his his motivation, and it's and he's trying to do whatever is is necessary for that. That's what I took out of hmm. it. Anyway, Richard. So, is your favorite character moment number two really Dowerty dying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can't even imagine what your number three pick is. All right. <laughs> so, Amy, I think I you said that with the Anish Picard moment, I might have taken your second pick, but is there something you want to put in its place? Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. I really enjoyed Data with, and I, what's the kid's name? Artem. Artem, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that interaction, and especially... Like when they were going, walking to the caves and then they took their break for lunch and, you know, Data's trying to win Artem over finally and, and Data, they just jump on this rock and Data jumps up next to him and just the look on his face, it reminded me so much of Brent Spiner. It just seemed like he came through at that moment and he was like, well, it must be hard with your body is in constant flux and, you know, with your legs growing all the time, you must trip over your feet. And Artem's like, well, sometimes I do, you know, and I just, and then Data goes on to explain, you know, well, my parameters are always constant and do not change. And it reminded me a lot of hero, hero worship, um, where Data is explaining why I don't have emotions and, but I try to be, you know, better and I try to be more than myself and I would love to be like you, like this kid who's growing and and changing and learning. And I just really like that exchange. And I think it really furthered Data's character 
unfortunately, I wish I would have seen that before the emotion chip. And I know that this movie sort of ignores the emotion chip. So put that aside. He left it at home. Yeah, left it on board. So put that aside. Pretend like he never had emotions. Like for like, and I think that's why some people say this is a great episode. You know, because here we get data going back to, I want to be better. I want to be, you know, more human. And that is a great moment for his character. Yeah, Amy, actually, that was my second pick. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But but I want to expand on it a little bit because I I was noticing that this time around, like there's this interesting thread between Data and Artem, who's one of the, the, um, the Baku kids, who's probably older than Data. But anyway. No, um, remember? He's only 11 because it doesn't yeah, it take doesn't effect until, until they reach maturity. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'll take that back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just think of Anish being hundreds of years old. But 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 I, I like that interaction as well. And like one of the things that I, I really enjoy about that is you mentioned Data was talking about, well, I have certain parameters. Like my legs are always exactly 87.2 centimeters in length, right? Yeah. Um, and then... But Data actually says, I would gladly accept the requirement of a bedtime in exchange for knowing what it is like to be a child, which I think is really interesting because before that, you know he wants to be human, but you hadn't known that he had really thought a lot about what it would be like to be a a child. And then Artem asks, do machines ever play? Data says, yes, I play the violin and my chess routines are quite advanced. No, I mean, have you ever just played for fun? Data says, androids do not have fun. And Artem says, look, if you want to know what it's like to be a child, you need to learn to play, which I think is a really wise thing for this 11-year-old to say. And then it connects toward the end when you actually see Data and Artem kind of playing in in the haystack and and just having a, a really good time. And then at the end, Artem says to Data, don't forget, you need to have a little fun every day. I just thought it was this really great kind of side interaction where you're finding out some more about what Data is interested in and he's learning something from from a child, which I think is 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 great. And I mean, I think a lot of times there is a lot of wisdom that we that we can get for how children see the world and how they interact with it. So I I, I love those moments and it was on my list too. Yeah, I like the um that side plot there, I think builds on why TNG is probably the most utopian because here we have a kid who actually gets to be a kid. And in so many times that I've seen teaching, kids don't have that opportunity to just have fun and to be kids because their life situations at home and are not the best or the ideal And so to see this in the movie, I think that just sort of builds on this utopian that, yeah, here Artem has that opportunity to play every day. And I wish that for all of my students, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. It is. Any thoughts, Richard? It is a good pick. Hey, we found something else good about Insurrection. (laughs) Don't no, push your luck, Justin. You. <laughs> I'm disagreeing with you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I mean, that was pretty much my second pick. So let's go on to third picks. Richard, your third pick. I already told you my third pick. <laughs> the the end credits? The ending credits, the movie ends. I, I mean, don't get no, me wrong. No, it must be more than that. No, I, 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 I'm... 
like I said, there, I, I really don't like this movie. I, I absolutely don't. I mean, it's just not, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, to be quite honest. It's one of them. Um, but like, yeah, um, I okay. <laughs> really do not like this movie. And, you know, like I said, it, it goes into, I mean, I went through an almost an evening <laughs> with my wife last night on how much I don't like this movie. So, um, yeah, because um, I was dreading. I was like, yesterday I was dreading. Not not dreading you guys. I'm, don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> um, I was dreading the topic, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, can we, wa- can we talk about something that's a little bit more controversial? Because uh, I would rather talk about that than this. <laughs> but I'm here. As I promised. Okay. And um, but yeah, uh, definitely in the ending credits for me. I know that's a that's a cop out, but you know what? <laughs> I, I just it, I just don't want to instill drama. <laughs> so all right. Yeah. Well, let's move along to Amy's third pick then. Okay. So for my well honorable mention because you took my first pick, but our second pick. But so when my third <laughs> pick is the end scene as well. But this is why. When they are looking at um, the reunion of the son to the mother, um, and I'm sorry, I I forget his name. It's not Rulio, or it's the other one. Anyway, yeah, the one who doesn't die, hand, but Ruffo? Not no, Ruffo, it's not Ruffo. It's the other one. It's one of one of uh, the people on the bridge. Yeah, the one who actually helps Riker. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, oh that dude. Uh-huh. He's yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, and they're like talking sort of in the distance and they're like, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And they're like, well, here's the first step. And then you, you see in the distance, this son coming home to his parents. And I just love that moment. Just the reunion of a family, a wayward son coming back home and parents forgiving and accepting like that. That is a great moment for me. I love that. And that was my third pick. Ah. <laughs> we were thinking alike in this one. So I, I looked it up. His name is Gallatin. Oh, yes. Gallatin. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I really like that scene as well. I feel like we mentioned it on Earl Grey at one point in, in the past, but but I really like how it's it's framed. And I think this gets to what Jonathan Frakes contributes in directing this movie, is that I, I think you see some scene where Picard is talking to Anij, I think. And then you just see it like way off in the distance. And all you have to see is there are these two figures and they're embracing each other and the son is putting his head on the mother's shoulder. I always find it really moving and I feel feel like it puts some more meaning to the whole arc of these two different species that we think like there's the peaceful one and the aggressive one that's trying to displace them. But we really find out they're actually the same species and and, you know, it's the parents and the children and and j- just like bringing that together, like there can be some kind of um, so some kind of resolution change resolution that. Yeah, resolution that that can happen so that they can forgive and kind of understand. I, w- I find that to be like the most moving part of the of the whole moving. And and, and I love that you have that there. So I'm, I'm in agreement. All right. I'm surprised you didn't say something like Troy facility that. Because she did, didn't she? She did. I think she did. Yeah. Yes. I'm surprised you did, didn't mention it. I, I It was uh, so yeah. you could mention yeah. it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I do, right. I do remember that much. <laughs> this is a good moment. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So, Amy, you have other honorable mentions? Well, 
Since I am in my Deep Space Nine rewatch, I just found Mm -hmm. it interesting, and I don't know if this is an honorable mention or not, but when (laughs) they deploy the collector ship and the big sails come out, like that totally reminded me of the solar wind ship in Deep Space Nine that Cisco captain. It reminded me of that this time as well in the episode Explorers because it's the same kind of color when it unfurls. Right, yeah. And it's, yeah, the big solar wind thing from, and I was like, oh, Look at look at me making connections to Deep Space Nine listeners. That's what you get. That's great. Yeah, I, I thought of that, and and the the design of the collector is kind of interesting too. I think they put a lot into that. Yeah. So that's my honorable mention. You don't have others. Um. I'm not even going to ask if Richard has honorable mentions. <laughs> he doesn't. I well, I have a question. Why is Worf late for duty? I didn't. Was because that because of the because particle? Of they weren't even there yet. It's because of puberty and and you know how kids uh, uh, sleep you know, extra. They long? sleep more be- during puberty. Yeah, I yeah. Think that was the idea. Oh, Basically, okay. biological de- yeah needs. They require more energy, sort of thing. Okay, all right. I didn't yeah. understand that one part. I was like, "What's going on?" Okay, thank you. Because I used to get yelled at all the time at that age, too. <laughs> Richard, wake up. Yeah. Uh. That's, it, you know, it's been discussed in the education world. Like, why do classes start so early when teenagers, you know, their w- normal wake cycles and stuff? Like, my school starts at 7 a.m. And yeah. that yeah, is ours starts very, at very early. Yeah. You know. Which... Hey, could you go into the past and uh, you know do that for my school system? That because we had to start at six. Oh my ten! Really? I think it was six ten. Six ten. Whoa! Yeah, it was six ten. So I had to be there at five forty. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is insane! It sucked. Trust me. Mm. <laughs> and then we didn't get out until like what? I think it was three thirty or something like that. And then they changed it. It it was either my junior or senior year, and then they changed it to seven ten. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah. If <laughs> like, it does make you wonder, like on the Enterprise D in the in the classroom, maybe even on Deep Space Nine, do they start later? Because they've they've, they've figured that out by then. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine a middle school on a starship? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. They're more well behaved then, maybe. Yeah. You don't you don't you don't know about middle schools, do you? <laughs> I know about middle schools. <laughs> middle now. schools are, yeah. I dread middle my Eva's middle school years because then you have the because that's when every kid is hormonal and all oh, they're all changing, which is great. But at the same time, dealing with that is because oh. like Denver's got a Denver's got a really serious problem with their middle schools on retention, and I'm sure that's the I'm sure that's the case for every city in the world yeah (laughs) yeah no i taught middle school for nine years so i definitely know those age of children give amy a uh, a give amy a medal all right no i know what it's like i know what it's like now but my only point is kids of that age getting an education 300 years ago are probably different than they are now and are probably different than they will be 300 years from now well you know we saw in season (laughs) was it one or two i mean you know a kid taking calculus at age 10, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've really advanced, right? All right, yeah. so... Okay, what's your honorable mention, Justin? Well, I, I have several, okay. because as I said, I had a pretty long list, actually. I think there was a lot that I had to appreciate, and, you know, any listeners that are f- big fans of Insurrection... There are some. Apologies. 
But I mean, there are some that are listening right now, I'm sure. And apologies for that. I'm trying to bring out the things that I really like about it. Richard's bringing me down, but no. (laughs) 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 I won't hit you too hard. But but let me go over a couple because I think a couple were already covered. But there were a few that I really liked. Like, for example, when Data goes to investigate their finding that there's something in the middle of this lake, which turns out to be the hollow ship. You see him underwater, and then you see him just kind of like a little wave with his finger at a fish there. And I thought that was just just really great. Like he's actually taking a moment, even though I guess he doesn't have his emotion ship, to really try to like connect with this organism, be like, hey, how's it going? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's had spot and he's sensitive to animals or something. But that was just a little moment where I smiled and I was like, oh, Data's being so cute. So, so that's one honorable mention. So other ones, I think we've talked about this before and other listeners have brought it up. Jordy has several great moments. Yes. Like the, the, the moment where he sees his first sunset with, you know, his kind of regular eyes is just a beautiful moment. And I was thinking like, is this the first time in the next generation, the seasons in the movies that we actually see LeVar Burton's real eyes and not just the visor over it or like the kind of obscured milky eyes? It, I don't know. Or, or like the, 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 you know, the cybernetic eyes and first contact, but. Wasn't there an episode where he was giving his, yeah, Riker uh, was given the Q abilities and he was able to see mm. everyone with his own eyes. Yeah, good call. That yeah. is true. That is true. Yeah. So it happened once before. Yeah. But, it, but it's a really rare thing. But I love the the moment where he sees the sunset and it's really beautiful. And then later when they're making this decision, like the, I think the crew comes by because Picard's ready for his little rebellion. Um, and Jordy says, you know, I, I can't stand to see another sunset like this if it means displacing these people effectively. And I really like that for his character. Um, and another thing I think that we mentioned before is that there's this like subspace rift that they need to seal and Riker's giving the order to like eject the core <laughs> and, and Jordy's like, I just did. I already I mean, did. They're just, I already did. Like they're working so well together after all of these years and you really see that. I like when you like when you get later into the seasons and into the movies where you see them working so well together and doing things they couldn't have possibly done like right off the bat in the first season. So I, I really like like that as well. You know, one of the things that I, I think about is there are those great like Troy Riker moments, but I think about like, again, Crusher doesn't really get very many good moments, but I did like that when they're on the planet and there are these drones, she's wielding this phaser rifle and like- She's you know, awesome. Take, taking out some of them. She's great, right? I wish she would have gotten, I don't know, more lines or something more to do, but- but I, I like that little moment. And, and I think Troy also has like a phaser rifle and she's just doing a great job. So I like seeing that aspect that you don't usually see for those those two characters. I did have a couple more. <laughs> I have to say, even though maybe it seems a little weird, I love that Picard goes to his quarters and he's like, play me some mambo. And he just like starts dancing. I think it's really Yes. Okay. Cute. Yes. That I, okay. Yeah. I want that for my honorable mention too. Yeah. I did, and I forgot to write it down, but I just thought, man, that is so great for him. But that's what clicks in his mind where he goes to Anij and, you know, back down and it's like, all right, what's really going on? Because I don't do the mambo, you know? He's like, wait a minute. I did that back in my academy days, but not since then. It's like he's being brought back to that time. But there is something that's so cute about Patrick Stewart just like dancing the mambo. Yeah. So I I, I like that. Another thing that 
because I, I think there are these little moments like overall i have issues with it as a movie but there are these little moments where i just smile or i laugh and i'm like oh i really enjoy that and i think the last one that i have here <laughs> is is when uh picard and Worf are chasing down data who's like in a little shuttle and i guess they are too oh <laughs> and he and he gets like data distracted by singing this old gilbert and sullivan song first of all it's kind of funny that Worf is like gilbert and sullivan and he thinks they're like crew members i know that songwriters so way funny. back when i haven't had time to meet everyone <laughs> <laughs> but but then of course you know Worf can sing it somehow i don't know how if he's never heard of because them. you saw the little dot it's like karaoke so well, just because just you singing. have the dots with the karaoke doesn't mean you know the rhythm of how the words go you'd only know that if you heard the song before okay have but you anyway, done that- karaoke Yes, I have. Okay. And if it's a song I haven't heard before, I cannot get the vocal rhythm down. I have to have heard it before to know the vocal rhythm. But anyway, besides that, I think there's something that's really great about like the three of them singing together and that it is like karaoke. Like where else do you see like Star Trek karaoke? I don't know if you do. Yeah, that's right. There's just right. something really great about that. So anyway, I know I've gone on and on for a while, but I wanted to make sure just to highlight, at least for me, I think there's a lot of great little moments. I have, you know, some issues with the movie, especially with the Admiral and with with the Sona, but I found myself like smiling and laughing and having a good time at a lot of it. And the first time that I saw Insurrection, I actually loved the movie. I thought it was really great and it was kind of up there with First Contact for me. And as I've rewatched it and watched more Star Trek, it's kind of fallen down the list, but I think it's still really good what they were going for. It just had a few issues in execution for me. So I, I, I enjoyed it. So, and I wanted to point out all of those little moments that I enjoyed along the way. Yeah. One thing with the, with the Jordy seeing the sunset, I thought the timing on that was really good because it goes back to the whole theme of the movie of, you know, slowing down time and we get the slow shot you know, of the sunset, we get the slow shot of really seeing Jordy, like he tears up because he's seeing the beauty for it, you know, yeah. with his real eyes, like the time that the movie took on that was perfect for me. And one thing I wish I would have seen when the E, when they do the, you know, where we get to see the E at the beginning and I'm like, man, can I just have some more time with the E? Like I want it like the motion picture when we see that ship. Like (laughs) I wanted, you know, the full nine minutes or whatever it is. 15 minute montage. And I wanted to see that so much. And I, because we don't get to see the E, you know, so much. And so I, when I saw that, the, you know, the scene with the E, and then I saw Jordy's eyes and I'm like, it just reminded me that I wanted to see that time and that s- slowing down on the ship. And we've talked about how the ship is a character as well, you know, and so I would have liked to have seen that. But yes, I do really enjoy that moment with Jordy's sunset and the, how they slowed that down. And we got to really feel that because I was impressed with the sunset as well or sunrise. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great scene, and it's a good point about the E, which we see, we probably see it more in First Contact, maybe a little bit more in, in Nemesis, but overall, between the three movies, not very much, and yeah. I really do wish we would have, have seen more. Who knows? Maybe it's still around for the Picard series, and we'll see more of it. 
maybe. Yeah, but nothing like Star Trek One. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like the motion picture. But I mean, I think there are things that people have put together out there to. Because <laughs> I mean that see. that first scene, well, not really first scene, but like second or third scene, whatever. Yeah. It was definitely for the fans. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean it was yeah. it was also showing like they could not show, I think, that the the model of the ship in like that much detail or the kinds of flybys that they could do as they could in the motion picture. So it's like, mm-hmm. check out how awesome this is. Yeah. And it is an awesome yeah. ship. And I love watching it for the full time. <laughs> and it's <laughs> not like that. it's not like it takes up a chunk of the movie because it's still what, two hours and some odd movie minutes uh, long, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's two hours long or over two hours long, isn't it? I'm not sure, but you might be right. But yeah, I mean, it. maybe we should have gotten that for the E. Yeah. No, All right. Just, so, that's, yeah. Yep, that's a good point. I guess it, uh, okay, two hours and 12 minutes, two hours, 16 minutes for the director's cut. So you would think like uh, if it's like 15 minutes, like, you know, we got a big gap to fill because we don't have this much story. Well, movies weren't back then were two hours long <laughs> either. So, I mean, it's just, what, an hour and a half, something like that? Was the format or something like that, where you lose your audience? No, no, it it no, it really it really depends because there were actually movies if you go further back into like the fifties and sixties that were like three four hour epics where they yeah, have but inter- that's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk about your normal people to go to see the movie. I'm not talking about like there were sci fi movies back then that were easily three hours long. No, no, I'm not talking about sci fi. I'm talking about movies that were like musicals or dramatic epics that would be three plus hours where they'd have an intermission in the middle. Absolutely, but, but like I said, the, the normal the normal movie was about an hour and a half. Yeah, most were about an hour yeah. and a half hour, if 45. that less yeah. back then. So yeah, I mean, well, obviously musical. I mean, anyone can sit through that. Then yeah, that's okay um, for you. <laughs> but, hey, um, I like musicals. No offense to anyone that dis- no, no offense to you that so likes who, it. There who is else only you, one I who like. Who else do you want to offend? <laughs> yeah. Insurrection lovers, musical lovers, anyone yeah. else? <laughs> Wesley I only liked lovers. one musical, and that was it. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, it, it obviously, you know, uh, that would have been great to see the um, the E in, in all its glory in, in that kind of montage like we did for the the original, but yeah. Okay. I doubted that, that would se- they, they would sell that, <laughs> but yeah, it's a good idea. Service to the fans. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go into our final thoughts. Let's get it over with. Richard first. <laughs> Just rip the Band-Aid off right now. <laughs> well, like I said, you know... I mean, let me put it this way. I, we know you don't like it for various reasons, but are, is there anything where you've gotten a greater appreciation or things that that you want to highlight that you enjoyed talking about about the movie? No. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It, 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 Okay, so I I get where I get the story, and I it's a fountain of youth story, and you know, like I said, you know, it, to to me, it I I really think that it could. I mean, it's one of those stories where you can watch without ever watching the series. Um, it's one of those movies, um, which is you know, it's good, but at the same time, being a Star Trek fan, it kind of erases those, it erases generations, because generations is about time, and about living in the moment and also, you know, treasuring those moments with your family and friends. That's how I saw generations. And then of course, you know, first contact is your basic good and evil story. But the thing is, is that this movie just, it, it, it erases all that. <laughs> Everything. I think we it's learned. a different perspective on it. 
No, I just I completely disagree okay. with that because I I have never liked this movie even when I watched it in the theater when it came out because it was just like I'm like what the hell are we watching? I mean, and I've never mm. liked uh, Fountain of Youth stories either, but um, because it's a fantasy within a fantasy, so that's just me. I mean, it, uh, there is there there are two good moments that uh, that I thought. I mean, you know, like you said, bringing uh, bringing uh, the Sona and the Baku together at the end of the movie, and then on top of that, um, Anish with the um, would slow in time down, but really, that's pretty much about it um, for me. Because I honestly think this whole entire movie's garbage. But yeah, <laughs> I know this is an entertainment uh, podcast, but I apologize. But I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't twist my words on something I cannot stand. <laughs> so okay, yeah, Amy, your final thoughts. All right, so. After the discussion and thinking about, you know, why is this movie not as enjoyable in my rewatch as Generation was? Like, because, you know, I talked about how Generations was, I was just so surprised that I'm like, man, I like it. I like it. And watching it again, I think some people have said, like, the movies really highlight Picard and Data and no one else, and especially in Nemesis, I, I get that point. But I didn't feel that way with Insurrection. I felt like everyone had just a little bit to do. And that is pretty cool because you see them, like you mentioned, they're working together. They know each other so well. You know, Jordy and Riker going off to, you know, in the Badlands to the Briar Patch and you know, them trying to get communications and Worf and Crusher and Troy shooting the little drone things. Like they all have these little tiny pieces within the movie that make it up. And I think it's not just one, like I don't even see it as a Picard story or a data story. Like it's all of them together. And I do like that. So then it sort of makes it hard to pinpoint like one major hero in the movie, you know, like we have with Nemesis or with First Contact, you know, so or even Generations. So I think that I think some people can say, well, it's more like an episode because you don't have that one major character. Well, at least I don't see it that way. I see it more as everyone's contributing and that's what makes this movie great. So, um, and yeah, while I was watching, just like with you, Justin, I was smiling and so many great wharf one-liners, you know, and it, it definitely brings back the feeling of, oh, this is why I loved the series so much. Um, and so, yeah, I enjoyed this and glad that we had the chance to talk about it. Okay, excellent. So for my final thoughts, yeah, I think what I've said, my opinion of this movie has changed over time. I, I think I loved it when I first saw it. I've found some issues with it since then, but I did enjoy rewatching it. I, I, you know, I, I think I enjoyed rewatching First Contact and Generations more, but there were, and that's why like at the end, I had so many moments, like I want to talk about this and this and this and this, because it's, it's, it's a series of, of really good moments that, that I, that I enjoy. And I think you're right. It's not as much about like the hero of this thing is Picard or Data or something like that, because 
I mean, it's starting to go in the direction of Picard being the hero because he's going to have like his one man rebellion. But then a lot of the rest of the crew come in and they're like, we're in this with you. Let's do it. You know, and they're all kind of doing it together and they have to kind of put in together for it, which I think is different than than what's going on in First Contact, where they already know, like, we're all in this together, right? They have to explicitly say, we're in this with you, let's do it, what's my part, how can I help? And But I think part of the, the issue with the movie is that it feels more like a series of moments than kind of a coherent story in, in some ways. Because, like, if I look at First Contact as, as I rewatched it, it's like, I think it's like really strongly told the story is where it's like this happens and it leads to this and we need to do this and it, and it has all of that stuff whereas it maybe kind of meanders a little bit with with insurrection for me but i'll also be interested to hear from uh from the people that love insurrection or where it's their favorite movie and tell us why uh because i think it's not quite as popular but i know there are some people that that really love it and we'd love to to hear from you and the ones that want to commiserate with Richard because they don't like it they can do that too <laughs> but uh yeah I I found it really really interesting just to because I didn't know what I would expect when I would rewatch it but I found there were a lot of moments that I really enjoyed and I found it was worthwhile and I'm glad that it was made could it have been a better movie I think so and you know maybe some of the ideas that Michael Piller had that had to be discarded that he talked about in his book Fade In would have been really interesting. But based on what we got, um, I think that I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the discussion. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So preview of next week's episode, I think it's one Richard's going to enjoy more and that's the weapons of TNG. You looking forward to that one, Richard? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shortening my bat leth right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had to make it through this one in order to get to that one. So that's true. That's very true. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it too. I usually don't notice that, but knowing that we were going to be doing that, I saw a lot of weapons being used on insurrection. So I'm like, poo poo, I can see the rifle. <laughs> and then they got to use it to smash, and I'm feeling some aggression. So I'm looking forward to talking more about weapons because I really don't know much. And so I'm going to get an education. I'm uh, I'm going to take your word for it, Amy, <laughs> that you saw weapons in, in insurrection. <laughs> there definitely were. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Troy and Crusher were using them. For sure. <laughs> well, it's been so much fun torturing Richard with our favorite character moments from insurrection. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The 602 Club. Robert the Bruce isn't sort of one of these stories that we kind of get told a lot really in school. And it's kind of funny that you're talking about that you, you've just read this kind of book about, you know, my first king as it essentially were. Whereas at school, I spent a year learning about American history and kind of the rise to American Civil War as Civil War over. Like, there, there never is much kind of conversation about kind of Scottish history out with certain things like the Jacobites and perhaps, you know, the classic world wars, for example. So, like... It's really interesting to to almost have this discussion. Melodic tricks. I think it's it's notes and the, the combinations that they use. So they will use dissonance, so notes that don't really clap that that clash and don't really go against each other. And they'll use minor and they'll use minor chords. They'll use uh, diminished chords because those sound you know the saddest, the most frightening. You know they'll use those. Some, maybe maybe an augmented chord here and there. Literary tricks. Data should have been XO half a decade ago. 
he should have been first officer on the ship. I have cost him years in his career because I didn't get out of his way because I was too comfortable because I didn't want to shake up my life because I was scared. This is why I'm done being scared. I'm done being comfortable. I'm taking command of the Titan. That's the moment Riker says, I got to wake up. My life could end tomorrow. I need to do more. I need to be more. Warp five. Okay, so Frankenstein kills a couple people, mm-hmm. right? Kills an old man, kills an old woman, scares a bunch of people, goes on the run, scares some girl guides, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Girl Scout guides, yep. Girl Scout guides, mm-hmm. takes her cookies. <laughs> yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our uh, shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Gray. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter, at trek.fm, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not watching Insurrection? <laughs> you, you mean all the time? Then. <laughs> yeah, you can find me anywhere then. <laughs> well, uh, when I'm not watching the movie that shall not be named, and it doesn't matter because it's smashed and it's gone, so I yeah, that's good news. Um, but anyway, uh, you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And um, like I said last episode, I have been kicking up my uh, activity on Twitter. So if you would like to um, tune in on what I'm watching and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, come on down. My handle is xransom. <laughs> Uh, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not thinking about each moment in time being a universe of its own? I was trying to go with the time thing. Yeah, (laughs) you you slowed down that moment for me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 6 rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not reuniting Baku and Sona families? Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Well, when I'm not doing that, you can find me here on the network talking about Discovery on The Edge with Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And I'm still in my Deep Space Nine rewatch season five, getting it slowly done. But my favorite place is on the Babel Conference, so you can find me there. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. 
visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Baka Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Smooth as an android's bottom. <sighs> it's called a gorsh. If you want to know what it's like to be a child, you need to learn to play. <laughs>